0: into Edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. As usual, I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighsports.com. That is where you can find all the content we produce for all of the sports across Colorado, whether it's the Avalanche, whether it's the Broncos, the Nuggets, the Rockies, all of the college teams for CU and CSU, even some Air Force, there's lacrosse up there. You'll see even some motorsports conversation from Ronnie Cord every once in a while. So there's a ton of conversation about just sports in Colorado as a whole. So make sure to go check out Mile High Sports. But this is the Denver Nuggets daily podcast. So of course, as usual, this podcast will center around the Denver Nuggets. What I'm going to do today, because we're starting to get into the doldrums of the offseason where there's not a whole lot of conversations to even be had at this point. So what I want to do is I kind of want to look at a few different players by three different categories. Who has the most to gain from this season? Who has the potentially the most to lose from this coming season? And then which players have a big swing season coming up to where they could either really build their stock around the league or hurt it dramatically as well. Um, The reason that I kind of stumbled into this idea is because there's so much depth on this Nuggets team that it could put some particular players in some interesting circumstances. So whether the team is completely built around one player like it is Nikola Jokic whether it's Jeremy Grant entering the Nuggets roster as a perfect fit on both ends of the floor or whether it's Juanjo Hernan Gomez who who knows where his role is going to be or Will Barton because who knows what we're going to see from him whether it's good or bad this coming season so the way I see it is that this could be an interesting thought experiment about where these individual players could be mentally approaching this season on an individual level, not a team level. And this isn't to say any of these people are selfish or only thinking about themselves. That is as far away from the truth as possible. This is probably one of the most team-oriented rosters in the league, if not the most team-oriented roster. So these guys are not selfish individuals, but as people go through their careers where they kind of stack up and where their value lies is an important conversation for them to have and for people whether it's analysts like me or fans to kind of understand as we go forward so that's what I'm going to do is talk about those players I there's quite a few players I think I grab 10 players uh yeah i got three players for swing seasons i have four players with a lot to lose potentially and then i have three players with a lot to gain so i'm going to dive into all of that have big conversations about each of those players and then yeah that'll be the podcast before we go any further though i gotta give a quick shout out to regulators production group they are the people who came together to give us the beats of the intro and outro of this podcast so for any of your audio production needs go reach out to at regulators regime on instagram or for an individual, go reach out to at Rod Simba on Instagram. That's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A. Additionally, this this uh, Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast is presented by Terrapin Care Station. So whatever cannabis goods you are looking for in the Denver metro area, make sure Terrapin Care Station is your first choice. So before we go any further, here is a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. I'm going to talk about players who have the most to gain, the most to lose, and the biggest swing seasons for these players. And I can't think of a better way to start this than just by which players have the most to gain, because it's just so much more fun to talk about right now. Because right now in the offseason, everything's full of hope. Everything's full of excitement. Everybody could win a title, and that's not true. There's like nine teams who have like a 5% chance of winning a title this year. But everybody's excited, because right now, it's just hope and excitement. So let's just stick with that and go with Nicole. Jokic is the first player who has the most to gain going into this 2019-20 NBA season. Um, There's a a few reasons for this. Uh, In my opinion, the biggest one is that at this point, which it was last year too, don't get me wrong, but even more so this year, the entire roster and every single scheme is built around Nikola Jokic. So offensively. All the players that the Nuggets have acquired, whether it's Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, now Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap even, Will Barton, um, Michael Porter Jr. for that matter, all of these players, their offensive skill sets complement Nikola Jokic extremely well. And you think about Jamal Murray, there's so few point guards who can play on and or off the ball in the way that he can, who have the shooting ability that he does, and the ability to play in the two-man game in the dribble handoff with him. I mean, he is a lethal outside shooter, he is a for- ferocious guy getting downhill as a driver and he does have some ability to make plays for others we'll talk about that a little bit more later but in addition to that Gary Harris he was the perfect telepathic connection for Nikola Jokic for the first couple years of his career you have Will Barton who is just he just can do everything offensively whether it's shoot whether it's pass whether it's drive and get his own shot whether it's finish at the rim whether it's uh, create plays for others the gravity that they have created around Nikola Jokic it in theory should get the most out of Nikola Jokic. I mean Jeremy Grant as an addition, Jeremy Grant is absolutely perfect in terms of his in terms of his ability to hit corner threes, attack closeouts, play off ball in that dunker spot, catch lobs, cut to the rim, just play off ball. There are so many reasons to be excited about the complement of players that are around Nikola Jokic right now, and then when you start thinking about the fact that he has the most continuity in the league right now as well. Um, I started. I was I was curious because Nikola Jokic obviously is known for his passing, and that really is the engine for how the Nuggets offense operates is his playmaking ability. So I went back and I looked at all of the players that Nikola Jokic th- uh, you know threw at least one assist to last season, and there were ten players. Of those 10 players, 9 of them are returning, and the only player who is not returning that Nikola Jokic threw an assist to last year is Trey Lyles, who was 10th in assists from Nikola Jokic at the very bottom of the list with just 13. So Nikola Jokic has all of his complement of offensive weapons around him this year. Every single one that he had last year, but now he will also have Jeremy Grant, and he will also have potentially Michael Porter Jr. filling into the Trey Lyles role, if not a bigger role. So... The the, the the stage is set. Nikola Jokic is coming in ready to go because of the continuity with the roster built around him, with the scheme built entirely with him in mind offensively. So with that being said, I would not be surprised if Nikola Jokic has the greatest passing season for a big man of all time next year. If you plug in just the most assists for a big man into the basketball reference database, which is the way they've Uh, put it is a center-slash-forward, a forward-slash-center, and a pure center. So when you put that into there, Wilt Chamberlain, as you would expect, owns the record for most assists in a single season with 630. If Nikola Jokic averages 9 assists a game for just 70 games, that's if he misses 12 games next year, he will literally hit 630 assists on the dot. So if he, from what I am seeing... I would not be surprised at all if Nikola Jokic gets up into that nine assists per game category and has the greatest passing season for a big man of all time this season, and that's why I think Nikola Jokic has the most to gain. There is just so many perfect fits around him, and we haven't even talked about the fact that defensively, he has more defenders around him that know him even better now than he did last year. The Nuggets, when they started the season last year, they weren't sure about what the defense was going to look like around Nikola. Jokic. They were still trying to find new ways to get the most out of him as a, as a defender. They stopped dropping the pick and roll and started hedging and playing way more up the floor because Nikola Jokic himself said that he would much rather be at the point of attack as opposed to trying to contain guards who have a full speed or full head of steam going at him as he's dropping back towards the rim. So now, with all of those schemes being fit around Nikola Jokic and an entire year of getting them under their belt, now Nikola Jokic also has the benefit of having Jeremy Grant on this team. Potentially the benefit of healthy seasons from Paul Millsap and Gary Harris. And to top all this off, Nikola Jokic had a phenomenal season, or a postseason as a defender. He was one of the Nuggets best defenders in the postseason. There is nothing to say that Nikola Jokic was a liability defensively in the postseason at all. So for me with where the Nuggets roster now currently stands Nikola Jokic has the most to gain because of all of those reasons the roster being built around him all of his weapons coming back ready to go that continuity that that very few teams have in the additions of Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant all of those things combined I'm really I'm trying to temper my expectations but as of right now, as of today, which obviously these numbers will change, I am almost willing to project that Nikola Jokic averages 22 points, 13 rebounds, and nine assists a game next year, which I'm pretty sure has never been done before. I need to go look that up because I probably should have. But that is just, that is a historically dominant season, and it's not anywhere near out of the question. He averaged 20 points, 12 plus rebounds. And you know, 7.1 assists last year only playing 31 minutes a game with a third of, or you know, with three starters out for a month and with the third most injured team in the entire league. So what happens if they are healthy? What happens if these weapons are back to where they should be? What happens when you add Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr.? That's when you're like, okay, Nikola Jokic really does have the table set for him to be one of the all-time most dominant seasons from a big man ever if not just most dominant seasons from a player ever. Um, Moving on from Nikola Jokic, because I just put down a six-minute soliloquy on him, let's talk about Jeremy Grant, because Jeremy Grant is second on my list for most to gain. Of course, last year, Jeremy Grant had a career year. No one would dispute that. He was phenomenal last year, but... He didn't fit perfectly into what they were trying to do in Oklahoma City, and that's no fault of Grant, it's just they were playing your turn, my turn basketball with Russell Westbrook and Paul George, so when that's happening all of a sudden you're just basically a placeholder in the corner to fill in spots whenever the your turn, my turn offense doesn't work out, so Jeremy Grant despite the fact that he was more of just a, um, again, like a placeholder on the side, he had that, car- that career year, he was gigantic for them in so many different ways. So now, when I project what he was able to do last year, as one of only three players in the league to have 100 blocks and 100 threes in the season, the only other two being Brooke Lopez and Carl Anthony Towns, I start really thinking about the fact that Jeremy Grant's going to have another career year next year, because there's going to be more space to work with, because there's more shooters on the floor. You have a much more gifted playmaker than anybody that they had in Oklahoma City and Nikola Jokic. He's the ideal front court partner for Nikola Jokic for what he brings on both ends of the floor, and he is going to have the benefit of more dynamic guards who want to play with him in a two-man game when when he's coming off the bench, like a Monte Morris and a Malik Beasley, and even Jamal Murray if they're blending the bench unit and the starting unit. So I... I'm having a lot of issues not seeing another career year for Jeremy Grant. I mean, just think about his fit on offense. He's, And this is not in terms of who he fits with. This is just schematically for the Nuggets. He's smart as hell, which everybody has to be on the Nuggets if they're going to play offense in the system. He adds an athletic ability that just didn't exist last year. Yes, Mason Plumlee is, an, is a very high-end athlete. Yes, Malik Beasley floats. But to have a rim-roller lob threat who consistently can play in different positions and still add that level level of athletic ability and everything he does the nuggets did not have that they also have a 611 610 power forward who can stretch the floor with a seven foot two wingspan to add that kind of length to the floor is also something that, that the Nuggets did not have. He can still hit threes. He was a f- almost a 40% three-point shooter last year, hit over 40% of his threes from above the break and the corners. He's a good straight-line driver. He's not like a guy that you can just give the ball to and say, go get a bucket. But if you kick the ball to the corner to him, and he can either attack the closeout or just take you off the dribble in a straight-line drive, he's long enough, strong enough, and athletic enough with a good burst off his first step to go around guys and finish at the rim. And he is a creative finisher and a tough shot finisher at the rim Um, in addition to that he has some vision he can move the ball he can create for others when there is if he's driving baseline and there's a player open in the the corner he has the height and the length not only see that passing lane but to create a better passing angle with that length to get the ball to where it needs to go I he is just such a perfect fit for this Denver Nuggets team and that's without talking about his ability de- defensively. Last year Paul Millsap was phenomenal defensively, but now you're taking Paul Millsap and you're and imagine adding in the athletic ability to just completely alter shots from the weak side. The ability to ha- be quick enough to defend guards but strong enough to defend fives. He can def- defend five positions. Um and he knows that he can defend the opposing team's best pl- uh you know offensive player whether it's a guard whether it's a center whether it's a forward of some kind it doesn't matter when Paul George got hurt last year and I've talked about this plenty before when it comes to Jeremy Grant Jeremy Grant was the one defending the Kawhi Leonard's of the world Jeremy Grant has that ability within him and again, extremely high IQ defensively, knows when to jump past lanes without leaving his team out to dry if he misses it. He knows how to rotate over from the weak side and sees the early rotation to be able to mitigate easy buckets for the other team. And Michael Malone's favorite thing about him that he's going to just love is that he turns offense in, or defense into offense, his ability to get from end to end at just blinding speed for his size and also have the IQ to get into passing lanes and the handles to be a straight line driver. He just has the skill set to be a terror in transition and the defensive ability to start those transitions opportunities. So Jeremy Grant has so much to gain from being a member of the Denver Nuggets and this is coming after already a career year in Oklahoma City. So I cannot wait to see what he brings to the table. I think Jeremy Grant is going to be the most underrated free agent signing of the off season, even once you get to january february march of next year when the season actually starts so that's i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it there because there'll be a lot more conversations to have about jeremy grant down the line but that's that's a, the reasons why i think jeremy grant is in for a big season and has the most to gain from coming into this year the next player on my list and the last player on my list who have the most to gain from this season is Malik Beasley. And I'll have other players who have a lot to gain, but I'll talk about three other ones that are in that list for the swing season kind of players, the players who could go really, really well or really, really wrong depending on how the season turns over. But for players who just had the big upside this year, I'm going to stick with Malik Beasley because after the season he had last year, he's almost assuredly going to come into the season as a main contributor off the bench in some capacity. Um, He was really proving himself in a gigantic way last year. He is one of seven players in the league last season to hit over 40% from three while taking at least 400 attempts. Of those players, which were Buddy Heald, Steph Curry, and just like, you know, the list was absurd. I wish I kept it. Actually, I can probably bring it up while I'm still talking, but um, of those seven players, Malik Beasley was third in true shooting percentage behind Steph and Danny Green, so his ability to be efficient as a scorer is extremely under People aren't talking enough about it in my mind, because he's, (laughs) that dude is going to be special in terms of his ability to hit shots and have that athletic ability if he can stay consistent consistent from three that's a big ask um He's only done it once this year. So the idea that we should expect him to continue doing that, it frankly isn't fair to him because that's a lot to ask from a guy who had one good season so far and finally it looks like he may have turned the corner. But still, the statistics for that ability to turn that corner and if he did or did not, they back it up. Again, 40% from three, over 40% from three and almost 400 attempts off the bench, that's big time for him. Then when you take it a step further, for why he has so much to gain and why he'll have a big opportunity to be a big contributor this season is because he started 18 games last year with the Nuggets being so banged up and he was great. 15.9 points per game, 2.6 rebounds per game, 1.6 assists per game with only one turnover per game. Shot 55.1% from the field, 50% from three on like 108 attempts or something, 93.8% from the free throw line, which equates out to a 70 true shooting percent. And again, that's not a small amount of minutes. I mean, he that's 18 starts that he had. So the idea that this was just a small sample size or anything like that. It's disingenuous. He did absolutely put these numbers together in a big way. I mean, he played 570 total minutes as a starter this season. He's playing 30 minutes a game in those in those starts. So because of that, there is real reason to believe that he will be able to translate his game to a bigger role. So now, if he has another strong year or takes another leap forward he is going to gain a ton of notoriety but that will also lead to Denver having a ton of tough questions to answer suddenly because they have Gary Harris who I'll talk about in a second who has been somewhat injury prone on the team Will Barton who has not been able to solidify his starting spot yet again because of injuries last year and Malik Beasley has said multiple times that he has a goal to be a starter in this league and an all-star in this league at some point so with with some uncertainty at the two and the three positions that Malik Beasley can play, he's going to start to want more of a role, which potentially could mean that he is going to start asking for starting opportunities to get to that point. He'll need to improve in a big way defensively and prove his consistency, but he has a lot to gain because if he has another big year like he had last year and he is as efficient and as productive as he was, the Nuggets are going to have to make a decision on that because he is going to put himself into that conversation. And if the Nuggets don't want to start him, he is going to be a restricted free agent going into uh, next offseason. So let's say he has another big year this year. He takes a step forward defensively. He still hits 40% of his threes, and he does so in a slightly larger role where he plays a little bit more minutes. Then you're going to have the issue of other teams throwing big offer sheets at him because his skill set is so rare. And then the Nuggets are going to have to choose if they want to match those offer sheets to keep him or if they want to potentially let him walk. And if they do keep him, they're going to have to make decisions elsewhere on the roster to make enough room for a guy that they're going to have to pay quite a bit of money to. So there's a lot of questions that come with Malik Beasley taking a big step forward this year, especially just with all the ability that he has to gain this coming season because of the role that he should and. And seems like he will get to start next season. It's going to be a very interesting situation to watch. Um, it might suck, but if there is a star available for trade that Tim Connolly and his staff feel comfortable trading for, I would not be surprised if Malik Beasley is one of the young players that the other team asks for, just because he does have a 40-plus inch vertical. He is just freakishly athletic in terms of horizontal movement, vertical movement, and just straight line speed. His jump shot is looking fantastic, and he even started showing some ability to create for guys a little bit in the pick and roll, and also get downhill and finish at the rim. So... It's going to be interesting, man. I don't know what's going to happen with Malik Beasley, but his name will be in the in a lot of conversations from here going forward. That is all of the players that I have for the most to gain from this season. So I think now it is time to move into the players who have the most to lose coming into this next season. When it comes to players that have the most to lose going forward, I have four names and one is going to surprise people. Um, I'll leave that last player for the very, very end of this section, but let's just start with Juanjo Hernan Gomez because... This is someone who first of all is going into restricted free agency next year. Secondly, has not really been able to stay healthy. He played 70 games last year, so he did play a good amount of games, but he was battling a groin injury. He was super inefficient. His minutes were not were not consistent because he did not earn consistent minutes. So Juancho Wancho has not been able to prove himself yet, and he has had opportunities to do so. He's gotten starts, and the Nuggets have been banged up, and he just hasn't panned out in the way that he has needed to in order to show his worth on the floor. So he needs to stay healthy. He needs to consistently hit his shots because there was a point where he didn't hit a three-pointer for like a month last season. And he needs to show that he can defend a little bit on the perimeter. But if he doesn't show those things, I don't know how the Nuggets can offer him money to stay. Because they may need this, the roster spot. And depending on what other teams throw at him, because he is a 6'8", six, 6'9", six, sweet shooting forward. That's a very helpful player to have. Teams could offer him more than the Nuggets are willing to pay. So suddenly the Nuggets will be without Juan Joherne Gomez again. So it's... Wancho is in a very weird spot because he has so many players ahead of him. You have Michael Porter Jr. trying to make his imprint on the team this year. Will Barton, Tory Craig, Malik Beasley, who I just got done talking about. Uh, Jeremy Grant, who could potentially play some spot minutes at the three this year. There are so many players who are ahead of him in the depth chart, as it seems currently, that I just don't know what role he'll play. I don't know what minutes he's going to get. I don't know how he'll, how he'll be able to prove himself that he can be consistent on the floor because his minutes, are going to be inconsistent, so... I just don't know what happens to him, and if he doesn't have a good season, or if he gets hurt again, or if he is a big lull as a three-point shooter once again, there are going to be serious questions about his ability to be an NBA player, and he is an NBA player. The talent is absolutely there. The work ethic is there. His ability to communicate is there. I don't think that he isn't an NBA player by any stretch, but he's going to have to prove it. I I do think that there will be plenty of teams who would give him a flyer as a restricted free agent or as a guy who gets a qualified qualifying offer pulled by by Denver and allows him to be an unrestricted free agent, there will be a team who will want to take a flyer on him, but... there's a lot less certainty about what he can bring to an NBA team right now than there has ever been about him. So he needs to prove it. He needs to show it this year. Um, That's enough about Wancho. I want to move on to Paul Millsap because Paul Millsap is a very interesting one because it's hard for me to see a a, a reason that Paul Millsap is going to be able to gain a ton individually from this season just because his role is going to get smaller. So for one – Paul Millsap's not getting any younger. Two, his role is going to get minimized because of the emergence of Jeremy Grant, who the Nuggets do seemingly feel like is the power forward of the future. And three, Paul Millsap's a free agent after this year, an unrestricted free agent. And with the Nuggets trading for Jeremy Grant, that may lead to Paul Millsap thinking that there may be a better place for him to go for his own career. And again, that's speculation by me. But with all of those things taken into account... It's going to be hard for Paul Millsap to play less minutes while taking a step backwards because he is getting older, while also having a free agency period coming up at the end of this year. There's just a lot for him to potentially lose this year. So Millsap is going to need to be the exact same version he was last year, if not a little bit better, to try and stymie the emergence of Jeremy Grant in Denver. Because in my opinion, right now, which this could absolutely change at any given moment, but... I believe that there could be a point when you get to January or February where the Nuggets start thinking about not just closing games with Jeremy Grant over Paul Millsap, but potentially starting him over him. Because, again, like I talked about earlier on this podcast, there is just so much to be excited for and what Jeremy Grant can bring to this team schematically, stylistically, and just his own individual skill set. So Paul Millsap is... Not on a hot seat or anything like that. The Nuggets are going to need Paul Millsap this year. But I don't know how much there is... I think that there's just more to lose for him if things go wrong than there is to gain for him if things go right. So it's going to be a very interesting season for Paul Millsap. Again, very instrumental in what the Nuggets are going to be doing this year. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And Paul Millsap has already, in my opinion, justified the the $90 million he's going to get from Denver over three years. So we're... This is not a shot at Paul Millsap. This is more as a thought experiment as to looking at what his situation could be by the time this season ends, because... If he does take a step back because he's growing older, if his role does get minimized and he gets to free agency, it's going to be very interesting to see if the Nuggets bring him back at a lower dollar amount and kind of have him play off the bench in a more Taj Gibson-esque role, but a little bit more, you know, a little bit bigger of a contributor than that. But in that archetype of a player in the overall system, or if he looks for somewhere else to go to get more minutes to play. So... It's going to be very interesting. Paul Millsap is going to be a very interesting case study for the rest of the season. Let's move on one more time because I don't want to hammer these who has the most to lose because it's so hard just to project forward as to what could happen. This is more of as a thought experiment to kind of keep in your head. So I don't want to just hammer these guys as if they have tons to lose and it's on their shoulders to fix everything. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I just want to kind of paint the picture as to which players need to get going forward and or else they could be losing some stock in the grand scheme of the NBA world. And the next player on that list is Mason Plumley. And the big reason why is that his, his minutes are going to fall off a cliff. Um, Last year, Mason Plumlee played a good chunk of minutes alongside Nikola Jokic when they needed him to, whether it was starting when Paul Millsap went down, whether it was blending bench and uh, starting units, whatever it was. Mason Plumlee got minutes with Nikola Jokic uh, last year. This year, I doubt if he gets one, just because when you have Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap on this roster, there is not any reason to play Nikola Jokic a single second without one of the two on the on the floor? So, the, so why would you have Mason Plumlee with him? So. He's only going to be playing backup center minutes, specifically purely backup center minutes. And if Nikola Jokic is playing 32 minutes a game, that leaves 16 minutes for him. Let's then take that a step further. Jeremy Grant can play small ball five. Paul Millsap might be at a point in his career to where off the bench as a small ball five is something that he can do very well against, you know, slower footed or, you know, not as veteran players off bench units. So if Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap potentially soak up six minutes of backup center between the two of them being conservative, all of a sudden now you're talking about 10 minutes is all that is left for Mason Plumlee, and Mason Plumlee will be an unrestricted free agent by the end of this season. I don't know how like to, for Mason Plumley to carve out a bigger role for himself I just don't see that potential even existing for him so despite how well he could play despite Malone's um, adoration for what he brings to the team and brings to the floor for the entire unit as a whole despite all of the positives that Mason Plumley brings off the floor and as a practice guy and as an intelligent defender on the floor besides all of the positives that Mason Plumley brings there just isn't going to be a role for him and that's a really unfortunate thing with him being a free agent so Blumley's he just has more to lose than he has to gain from this season because of the circumstances that surround him the last player that I want to talk about with the most to lose may surprise some and it's Jamal Murray This is a weird one because Jamal Murray is 22. There's no reason that he should have more to lose in his 23-year-old season than more to gain. But that maximum contract extension is going to change the optics of what Jamal Murray needs to do as an individual player and as a part of the collective team on the Denver Nuggets. So despite the extension not kicking in until after next season, it's just the expectations are going to be there anyway. So Jamal Murray... For people not to sour on him because of the money... It is going to take a few things. I think he'll need to take marginal steps forward defensively. And I'm not saying he needs to become a lockdown defender at the point guard position. I'm saying he just needs to be able to defend Derek White in a playoff series. Like, that's really the baseline of what we're talking about here. He needs to be able to not get lost mentally from time to time and just lose Steph Curry on the perimeter like he did against the Warriors a couple times this year. Just like basic fundamental steps forward as a defender, which he can absolutely take. And these are steps that every young player usually needs to take at this part of his career. This is not to say that Jamal Murray is light years behind where he should be defensively. He's not where he should be defensively, but... Very few 22-year-olds come into the NBA with the mental capacity to be bought in every single play defensively with the kind of offensive burden that he has on his shoulders. But again, he's a max contract guy now, whether he's paid like it this year or not. So he has to be better on defense. He also needs to become the sniper from three-point range that he absolutely can be. The fact that he has not really shot over 30% from three in any season yet is bewildering to me because I've watched that kid shoot and he is so freakishly talented when he is letting that ball come out of his hands as a jump shooter. So with that being said, he needs to have a season to where he approaches 40% from three or at least is just absolutely letting it loose whenever he is open from deep. Jamal Murray had the issue of passing up open threes to take contested threes. If he can just eliminate that issue alone, he'll be able to take more of them next year and likely at a better clip. Um, Also, he needs to stay healthier. I know this sounds weird. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but despite the fact that Jamal Murray has played in all but like eight games in his career, he's been banged up for probably 70 to 80% of them keeping his body just somewhat healthy is going to be a very big boost for his overall efficiency and how much effort he is having to expend on both ends of the floor. And with that being more healthy, coming hand-in-hand with just, again, improving his efficiency as a player. I believe he's like a 44% shooter uh, as an overall just field goal percentage shooter right now that needs to take a step forward. It just has to. And lastly, he needs to continue taking steps forward as a facilitator. He got better last year. I don't think anybody who watched Jamal murray last year would say he got worse at, in terms of a facilitator he did get better but he still has steps forward to take so if he can just marginally improve in those five areas better on defense become a better three-point shooter um, staying healthier improving his overall efficiency as a scorer and becoming a slightly better facilitator I think that he could get into a spot to where he starts becoming justified in that maximum contract. If he falls short on any of those, it is much easier to nitpick a player who has signed a $170 million contract extension as opposed to a player who is on a rookie deal. So I do think Jamal Murray this year, because it's not fair to expect him to improve in all of those ways in one season, does have more to lose in his overall stock this year than he, than he has to gain. Because the best case scenario is he hits all five of those marks and he starts the conversation that he could potentially eventually justify a maximum deal. and that's not a whole lot to gain from his perspective right now. Next, I am going to get into the whole get into the three players uh, that have a big swing season coming up, whether it could swing really, really good or really really bad. So give me one sec. I'll definitely get into that after one more quick word from Terrapin Care Station. One last time, I just wanted to talk about Terrapin Care Station because for years now, they have been doing absolutely fantastic work for every little portion of the cannabis industry. Whether you're looking for actual flour, marijuana itself, whether you're looking for concentrates, whether you're looking for edibles or you know pain creams and salves, they have everything for you at terrapin care station i have i had a dog who was having hip issues so i went and found a cbd tincture that has no um, actual thc in it at all to help with the pain that my dog was dealing with like those kinds of things are amazing so for any of your cannabis needs make sure you go find one of the many terrapin care stations all around the denver metro area they're discreet they're very easy to get into there's parking everywhere and they're very knowledgeable as a staff and they have great deals so if you're looking for any kind of cannabis goods in the Denver metro area, make Terrapin Care Station your first stop. Into this last list of players, and that is players who could have big swing seasons. That means, like I said before, there were players who have a lot to gain and a lot to lose coming into the season. These three players have both. They have a ton to gain or a ton to lose, and because of that, it's a very interesting conversation to have about what they're kind of going to end up like and what role they could play going into next year. So. Off the bat, the most obvious one, in my opinion, is Will Barton because Will Barton had his first major surgery, his first major injury, his first ever surgery, actually, <clears throat> and he had, and because of that. He only played two games for his injury, and by the time he came back, he was not in a rhythm. As he told me on my podcast I did with Will Barton probably last week, he told me that as a role player, you don't get the ball a lot, so because of that, it's harder to get into a rhythm. It's harder to go from to get into midseason form, to get into full form, to get into playoff form, and he was always behind the eight ball in that regard, which to me makes total sense. Uh, So for the way that I look at it is that Will Barton's stock is probably as low as it as it has been since he arrived in Denver. Just because of all of the narrative surrounding it, how bad he looked when he did come back, he had very good moments. Like if you remember in that Game 3, I believe it was, in the playoffs when they went to four overtimes, it was Will Barton that was like carrying a lot of the offensive load and stretches of those overtime periods. So... Now, if Wilton, if Will Barton comes back healthy and he is the player that we thought he could be in the first two games of the regular season last year, he could quickly become a most improved player candidate. He told me he's healthy and he's ready to go in the podcast that I did with him. And before, like, if you go back to if you if you take out last season, Will Barton with the starters is has like an over thirty, uh, an over it's something like plus thirty one point three, I think it was is what it was net rating with Barton in with the starters before last season. I mean, like I said before, I was talking about Nikola Jokic. His fit offensively is brilliant. I mean, you have a guy who can. Dribble, pass, shoot. He can create his own shot whenever he needs to because he is so quick and has so much shake with the ball. He is long. He is athletic. He has the ability to play off the ball and be a role player or when he needs to, when the offense is out, you know, not functioning the way it should be, he can go get buckets on his own. Before last season, there were multiple games in Will Barton's Denver Nuggets career, in which you would just go off for 35 and save Denver from a loss. like He has so much he can add to this team. So I do wonder that if Will Barton comes back, he is healthy, he's able to play all year, and he's able to be the player he was before his injury, he could be a most improved player candidate next year and solidify himself as the starting small forward of this team. Now on the other end of the spectrum. Let's just say Will Barton comes back and he's not good, or if he gets hurt again, and he has a similarly bad season that he had last year, whether the circumstances are out of his control or not, regardless, if, if his season is less than stellar, now you have two bad seasons Stacking on one on top of another and that really exponentially hurts your individual stock around the league whether it's for the Nuggets trying to trade whether it's for him as a free agent in a couple of years whatever it may be however you want to quantify that idea of stock around the league but he he could do he could become a most most improved player candidate or he could lose his starting role and just be a bench guy suddenly. Anything is on the table for Will Barton. So his season is going to be one of the big X factors for the Nuggets because outside of Will Barton, the Nuggets have two players who can get their shot whenever they want. Nikola Jokic, who is much more passive by nature and much more willing to look for other teammates as opposed to his own shot, and then Jamal Murray, who has not been extremely effective as an isolation scorer or a guy who can just put the ball in the deck and go get you a bucket he can do it in spurts he had a 21 point fourth quarter in game two against the san antonio spurs but he also had three points in the three quarters before that so will barton adding that extra level of just individual shot creation is really important so if the nuggets can get a good will barton they're going to take a big step forward if he is if will barton is struggle similarly to last year it's going to really hurt his case to continue to be the starter as well as what his value looks like to the rest of the league the second player I have for big swing seasons is Gary Harris, and I think this is the most obvious one, because Gary Harris has had two seasons now where injuries have kind of diverted what he was trying to do, especially last year, but you saw the glimpses of how good Gary Harris was in the playoffs once again. The way I've been kind of looking at Gary Harris is he's kind of the forgotten piece in Denver. People have forgotten that Gary Harris was the Nuggets' second-best player for like three years there. He was the one that was the best um, you know, connection with Nikola Jokic. He was arguably their best defender at different points. So the idea that Gary Harris is almost like a non-factor, which it seems like how he has been discussed, is completely beyond me and how that could be the case. Because Gary Harris brings so much to the table for this Denver Nuggets team. I mean, again probably their second best player. He was arguably their best defender. Now, with Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant on the roster, there's a different argument to be had, but still, he is one of the most important defenders on the team. He's one of the best shooters on the team. He's one of the best finishers at the rim on the team. He's the most consistent guy on the roster, not named Nikola Jokic. And if he can come back and be healthy and not have all these lower body injuries, he is going to take the Nuggets to an entirely different level. They were essentially playing with Gary Harris in a like a fifth option role for most of the uh, of the season after he came back from injury. He wasn't trying to ins- to assert himself on an already playoff bound roster that was clicking and he wasn't trying to You know, showcase his own growth he was just trying to fit in so now what happens if Jamal Murray takes a step forward and then Gary Harris returns to the Gary Harris of old and he's hitting 40% of his threes and he's shooting 50% from the field and he's finishing at the rim with authority and creatively and on top of that he starts to show a little bit of a game off the bounce and as a creator all of a sudden the Nuggets go to an entirely different level then when you combine that with Will Barton and Jamal Murray getting better and the addition to Jeremy Grant that's when you start to why some people have the, the Denver Nuggets as very real title contenders like I do if they stay healthy. But the other side to this, if Gary Harris gets hurt again, particularly if it's a lower body a lower body injury, it's going to take years to peel off that injury prone label that he is going to have on him at that point. That is just the fact of the matter. He had, what, four lower body injuries last year? Had two the year before? If he has another one this year and he misses games again, a good chunk of games, it is going to be extremely difficult to argue that Gary Harris is not injury prone. And it'll be like Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal's first few years, he had these random injuries he kept getting. It took him like two and a half years of not missing a game for that injury prone label to finally go away. And I think it'd be the same with Gary Harris. But if he is the Gary Harris of old, again, like Will Barton, he could be in that most improved player category. I know it seems like I'm kind of being Homer-ish, even though I'm not a Nuggets fan, saying that both Barton and Gary Harris could be in that most improved player category, but you gotta remember that Nikola Jokic makes everybody look so much better around them, so if they are healthy, they could very well get into that conversation because Nikola Jokic is so good. I'm convinced Nikola Jokic has made hundreds of millions of dollars for the Nuggets guards just because he is Nikola Jokic I wonder what happens if Jamal Murray does not have Nikola Jokic as the primary facilitator I wonder what happens to Gary Harris's career after his first really rough rookie season if he doesn't have Nikola Jokic being the person setting him up so well I wonder what happens to Will Barton in Denver if he wasn't one of the first players to build a connection with Nikola Jokic and yet all of those players have gotten big time money because of their fit with Nikola so kind of a tangent kind just diverting there but I do think that Gary Harris is going to have a very big year next year I am looking at him to step back into that argument as Denver's second best player right there with Jamal Murray he may not have 30 point games all the time at like Jamal Murray but his two-way play and his consistency is going to be so important to this Nuggets team if they can get that back the last player, a player we have not talked about much in this podcast at all yet, and probably the most obvious name for a swing season coming up, is none other than Michael Porter Jr. The the variance of how bad and how good this year can go for him are is just gigantic. If he gets hurt again and does not play next year, he is officially a non-factor in the NBA because he cannot play NBA basketball. If all of a sudden he comes out and, hit, and hits the... of his threes is showing off his athletic ability, can move horizontally as well as vertically, because we've seen lots of dunk videos from Michael Porter Jr., but I have not seen him move very well side to side yet, but let's just say all these things click. He hits shots. He shows up that athletic ability horizontally and vertically. He's able to handle the ball a little bit and all of these things. And he starts to show the player that he could be the player that was a bona fide top three pick when he was in high school. When he gets to the NBA draft, then the boon for his for his stock as a player is going to be just so insane. He'll go from a guy that people were like, "Oh, I wonder too." He is the championship connection for the Denver Nuggets. They have found their big athletic, sweet shooting wing, and all of the narrative is. Going going to get so crazy everywhere, but if he gets hurt again or doesn't play this year, that's it. I don't know what's going to happen, but he is officially going to be a non-factor until he plays basketball, but the variance for Michael Porter Jr. is extreme. I don't even know how to quantify it yet, but he could go from not playing to starting by the end of the year, potentially, he does have that talent level within him, um, or just completely not playing because he's hurt again, because he's had two back surgeries, dropped foot, an MCL sprain, and a hip issue ever since he tried to enter the league, so there's a whole lot of things going on with him, but man, talk about variance, talk about a swing season, Michael Porter Jr. is going to have the swing season. All right, I have talked for way too long. It's time for me to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on whatever listening platforms that you use for your podcast listening. Leave a review. Please rate it five stars. Reach out to me on Twitter at TJ MBA. My email is in my header and in my bio. I'm always here to talk about it. But thank you guys so much for listening and interacting. We will talk to you again shortly.